0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the 1947 Operators podcast. In order to increase the rate of technology innovation in India, we need to increase the number of operator angels in India. Hence, we are launching the 1947 Operators. 1947 Operators is a podcast that unpacks the investing journey of the best operator angels in India we will be covering areas like what drove them into angel investing, what's their investing process like, how do they source deals, pick deals and win deals, how do they evaluate founders and the market size, what value do they bring to the cap table. We're hoping the 1947 Operators podcast will help more operators start their angel investing journey. As a result, we will see an increase in the number of operator angels in the startup ecosystem. Man, what a part we had today. We had Madhu, the co-founder of M2P. M2P builds a stronger infrastructure for the financial world. Their product helps banks NBFC, and online businesses go to market with a wide range of solutions across payments, lending, and banking. They're backed by one of the best investors globally, the likes of BNeX, Insight Partners, MUFG, Tiger Global, Flourish Ventures, Omidia Network, to name a few. We covered areas like what drove him into angel investing, Who was his first angel investor, who invested, who believed in M2P? How does he evaluate founders, his vision for M2P moving forward, his obsession of seeing India as a fintech factory for the world? Who is the outsider of work? All right, let's roll it up. I'm so excited to have Madhu of M2P on the 1947 Operators Podcast. Madhu,
1: welcome to the show. Thanks, Shiva. Uh, great to be part of this, you know, uh, the show, and uh, we have got a you know uh, exciting list of speakers.
0: I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm super excited and looking forward to this one. Uh, Madhu, we'll dive right into it. What drove you into angel investing, and what was your first angel investment? Sure. I mean, uh, as a company, we were bootstrapped for many years. Initially, when we
1: went out to raise some capital, nobody understood our business. Uh, this is like 2014-15. Uh, we tried a lot. And then we just felt that uh, this is probably not the business that anybody would finance. right? And the world was very different back then. Uh, a ton of things have changed in India over the last seven, eight years. Uh, we just felt the need to be out there, you know, and not put another founder through what we went through. I mean, we were lucky. Uh, we were just able to navigate and find our way through. Uh, not a lot of founders are, you know, lucky that way. And some of the brilliant ideas just die because of they just didn't get that initial oxygen. And over time, we also realized, you know, only in twenty twenty we went out and we got external capital. Um, we kind of could. Attribute a lot of value to it beyond the money itself, and know, a bunch of angels came and backed us, right? So folks like Kunal, Amrish, Chitain, a whole bunch of them were our first uh, formal sort of financing round that happened. Uh, you know, it was never the money; it was actually them sort of saying, going out there and saying that you know we know what these guys are doing. Uh, that kind of left a mark, and in in a sense that uh, you always have to give more than what you take, right? So. Uh, I think that's that's the primary driver.
0: Gotcha, and maybe we can talk about the story of you know uh, when was Amrish or whoever was the first one who said yes to investing. Would love to uh, dig deeper into that story. Yeah, I mean it's late 2019.
1: We I was in Singapore, and a friend of mine connected me to Shweta, uh, who you know uh, uh, who was running. You know practically, you know Amrish's uh, angel investments, and she was an independent investor as well. Yeah. Uh, I happened to sort of get some time with her to catch up for a coffee. Amrish actually came to drop her, and (laughs) he said, "Let me figure out what these guys are talking about." uh, You know, API, and it was a chance meeting. And guess what? In in like 45 minutes to an hour of our conversation, uh, we walked out with a check, right? Uh, so I think the conviction got built just on the way that we were, you know, thinking about it and building it, and we all—he almost kind of fell off the chair when when I told him that we have been doing it for five years and you know, the kind of traction that we had until, up until part, that point. Uh, and he's been like a fintech guy pretty much for all his life, so he kind of understood, you know, what goes into it, right, and what's the economic model that you can create and so on and so forth. Uh, so I think he was i would say the first believer to just write the check and i mean obviously you had a, a whole bunch of people who were saying back Karinge, all that but uh, to really take that leap of faith was was Amrish in the first place and then you know when as he came in
0: uh, you know we, we could just line up everybody else uh, you know uh, it was a cake walk yeah. got it and i think you picked up a very important point where you know operators can really Help you move the needle with their yeah. expertise and experience. Maybe we, uh, Madhu, if you could talk a s- few specifics, how you know Amrish and Jitain and others have really helped you in the beginning, or still they are. Uh, I think we were
1: very unlike an angel investment in some sense, right? We, were, we already had some traction. Yeah, uh, we just could not. In our own sort of fallacy that we were living in, we felt that we could build this business, continue to build this business as it were. Uh, I think the framework was important in terms of zooming out and seeing what this business could sort of look like five years or 10 years out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as founders, when you're executing so close to it, uh, you don't zoom out typically and see the big picture, right? I think that framework was very important, number one. Uh, even today, you know, if there is something uh any time of the day i could just ping kunal on whatsapp and talk random things that is bothering us right like yeah. uh, once i was in bangalore he asked me what are you doing right and i said you know i'm here for some customer meetings and all that he asked me to just come to office if you had like a we chatted for like 2 hours mm-hmm. uh, ranging from what's keeping you awake at night to you yeah. know how we are building team i think that time and and that intent to sort of help uh, is super valuable, right? I, I, it's unfiltered. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, founders go through a lot of self-doubt. Yeah, uh, you need some anchor to actually. I don't think your co-founders can also sort of contribute to it because you're all in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, you kind of get comfort at some point. You don't agree, and when you don't agree, you don't get that comfort. Yeah. Uh, but some of these operators who have been at there at scale mm-hmm. uh, could really sort of, you know. Just the fact that you could talk to somebody and you know, be that counselor is a is a fantastic
0: yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think that framework and zooming out and then you know uh, get to work with people who have done it themselves at scale gives you confidence. Uh, Madhu, you know tech you know typically is a bunch of moving parts into angel investing. First, you know you have to create access, many founders coming to you and then of course you have to win deals as well. Uh, but given the brand that you already have, a lot of, uh, you know, typically, let's say if I'm a fintech founder, I'll just reach out to or try my best to reach out to Madhu for his uh, check. Because again, same things, right? Experience and, uh, and all that. So in Madhu, now, you know, a lot of founders reach out to you. Uh, how do you evaluate founders, right? Typically, you'll get what, 30 minutes or 60 minutes, maybe two hours over a period of two weeks. Uh, what are a few uh, you know points that you look at and that triggers you to go back that person?
1: Yeah, I think there are uh, two or three aspects to it. Right, one is the fact that uh, how deeply is that you know founder you know having domain expertise of sorts, right? In the sense, uh, has he worked in a large company where he was closer to that domain? Uh, which gives you unhindered access to you know what's actually happening, right? You can't dream up stuff and say I'm going to fix this thing. You know you'll find a lot of college kids coming in and saying there's a canteen ka payment problem eh, five six years back. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not scalable business, right? It it could just give you that high to basically solve for it, but you are not going to create an economic output. Uh, so therefore, to me that you know what's the domain understanding of the founder and the founding team itself, right? So I think that's. Uh, like super environment, that's, that's where uh, you have, they probably have are coming from a very deep insight standpoint, which you can action on. And that's the same thesis we have taken actually to our MA journey, right? When a company have done like seven or eight acquisitions, largely because not for tech or, or talent, but what deep domain expertise that founder would have, yeah. uh, or what problem statement they're trying to solve is something that others may not have, right? So that's that's one part of it i think the second aspect is uh, really this gut, right Is this the right guy uh, you know in a 30 minutes half an hour one hour conversation you will really understand you know what's the narrative that the founder is saying and what's the sincerity to it and and that's just uh, that's a lot of that is personal in terms of really figuring out whether this guy will it has it in him for for it to be sometimes you you know there are misses right the founders come across Really good, um, but it was just cute, right? So it it works in eight out of ten cases, uh, but I think the gut is a very important aspect in terms of uh, saying it. And third is you know our own you know uh, evaluation of that sort of problem statement, right? In the sense, uh, can this become large, or can this get dovetail into a larger company, right? So uh, you know it, outcomes are outcomes. So therefore, uh, let's say if somebody is working on solution X. Uh, will this standalone become very large, or is this going to be a great story for somebody who's building something else and it kind of goes and complements, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think to me the whole uh, process is uh, is to sort of figure out uh, what's that co creation opportunity with that founder. Uh, if I don't have that time to build on something. Uh, is this something that I would have joined if I'm not building my own company, right? Is that it? will I be willing to be part of that founding team, if you will? I think that's the litmus test
0: as far as I'm concerned. Got it. Love the framework. And Madhu. Uh, maybe we can talk about a few of the investments that you've done, you know, one or two stories and also a few misses where later on, uh, it turns out the you know, the founder did great. Uh, and what did you learn from those misses?
1: Yeah, I mean, my first investment was in a HRMS platform called Zimio. I mean, like, uh, until we were bootstrapped, we never had the capital. I don't think we have the money even now, but uh, (laughs) we we barely took out salary. So we kind of never really went out and invested and all. But only in 2020, I started sort of uh, uh, writing angel checks. Yeah, Uh, the first one was, you know, Zimio, which is an HRMS platform. you know, I did something you know prior to that. Right, I spent between the first COVID wave and and all through 2020, uh, I actually spent a lot of time speaking to a lot of investors. Right? I spent like collectively somewhere around 8,000 minutes speaking to 45 odd investors, just for our own company to figure out where we would land as a company yeah. and peddling different stories, different you know theses, uh, just to get a mental model around how investors are thinking about some of these businesses, right? So, and that allowed me to actually sort of create, uh, you know, a model in terms of when I get in a call with an investor, at least in early stage, in five minutes I could really figure out what will sell with this guy. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, that's you know, that's that. That was an important sort of learning, uh, which I realized that could be useful for. Uh, you know, folks who are trying to actually do that, right? So what happens is that uh, folks when they're they're trying to raise money, they almost immediately send out a deck and, you know, say that this is what it is. Uh, Things like, don't even share a deck, you know, you have got to keep that, uh, you know, send a small blurb, you know, my marketing professor used to say, you know, it should be uh, like a girl wearing a skirt. Long enough to cover the object and short enough to curate, keep the curiosity on. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I tell founders that don't sell the deck because that guy is going to come with preconceived notions that this is work or not work. And he's just taking the call just for the hit of it. Or he's working on some other deal for which he is looking for inputs. Right. So, things like that I realized over a journey that I spent, I labored on in terms of trying to uh, get a model. Uh, and therefore, you know, in a lot of these investments, I try and you know see if I'm able to you know get that founder across to you know thinking in that fashion. So Zemir yeah. was the first one. I think they're doing pretty decently. They've done like two three follow on sort of investments
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, from and 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 then the whole craze you know around fundraising that happened a whole bunch of things uh, where I don't understand. I would prefer to just sit out and you know sit, sit behind a fund. So we've done a lot of deep tech work. You know where we're sitting behind a fund, it's more LP type. Uh, uh, That's just personal learning and gratification more than anything else, right? Like I would never go go out and build rockets or flying cars, but there are funds that are sort of backing some of these founders. Uh, It's fascinating in terms of how you can learn in some of these areas without actually you know going to a classroom right so it's almost like a classroom fee that you sort of pay mm-hmm. uh, but I think you know just just to come back to your question I think a whole bunch of places where I've missed here I mean I, I would sort of look at some companies and then say hey we could have uh, done this right but in my own way we don't I mean uh, we actually don't do it for uh, for the uh, noise around it right we''ve, we've been very very quiet. Uh, we, we are a shy company and that kind of DNA has rubbed off on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't talk a lot about it externally because yeah. I think the value for us is between us and the founder. That is the relationship that we want to nurture. Yeah. Uh, we've got enough going on on the other side. But the good part is that in our own you know, journey, we have interactions with a lot of founders because early stage companies come to us to work with us and you know yeah. uh, build their So we have a vantage point view of what's happening, right? Even when there is a deal flow, investors come and ask, "Will
0: this work? Will this not work?" and things like that, right? So yeah. Gotcha. And Madhu, by backing other founders, do you think it has made you a better founder, a better operator? Yeah, I think.
1: I mean, like I said, right? I think it's about giving more than what you are taking in, Uh, and you know. I've had situations where, at least in the recent past, right, where we've uh, had some companies that have gone to real trouble, right. So founder calls, and you know, you just need the uh, hearing and uh, monetarily whatever you can do, you would do beyond the you know whole docs that go into it, right. Uh, but there is a certain boundary that you need to sort of draw it right? you could help them with you know if have to meet their payroll for a month and they're looking for a lifeline and all that you know one or two places have done it but i think we should i i never used to say no and that saying no is something that uh, i i grow it grew into you know with sort of investments right and 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 i also when you say no we're, we're able to go back and reason out why it's a no uh, you would actually sort of shy away from it, right? Here. You're kind of closed. Uh, personally, for me, I think that attribute is kind of helped uh, even in, uh, in in other places, right? In hiring, you know, in, when you're in a sales conversations where the team wants to do a deal, but you want to say no to it. Uh, so I think that maturity
0: came in uh, with angel investment. I would sort of say. Got it. And uh, whether you're right, you know, you're been uh, heads down and just building it. Uh, we don't get to hear much about, you know, you guys and uh, and you've come a long way. Uh, I think I was uh, reading up somewhere. The idea came over or, you know, it was, I think you guys were having chai. That's how the kind of idea came about. And then, uh, you know, for first four or five years, it was mostly bootstrap. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> you know, within a year or two years, you've raised multiple rounds from one of the best investors. And you're not only in India your globally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can walk us through the founding story to where are you today? And what's the vision for M2P moving forward? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we started out, I think when we, Muthu and I were colleagues at Visa,
1: I think we've said this multiple times. Right? So, right? In, in the way we looked at the worldview that we had working for Visa was that a lot of stuff were broken, uh, banks are not moving and things like that. So we we really felt the need to go out and build something which would help businesses adopt, you know, payments more, you know, uh, easily, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Back then, the only fintech that existed was someone like a build desk and uh, very, very early stage of someone like a bank bazaar and mSwipe and the folks like EasyDap and all were in their series A or sub series A. So not a lot of fintech action, Paytm was just beginning to, you know, gain traction and things like that. Uh, but I think the fundamental uh, thing that stuck to us was that uh, in a market like India, you would have banks still ruling the roost and they continue to be uh, and uh, you know, we'll have to find ways to sort of start working with them, uh, not against them. Right? So uh, initial wave of fintech was always being competing with the banks and over time we've modulated to uh, co-opting and cooperating with the bank. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily for us the whole You know, narrative around fintech sort of took off in India. Uh, What we started out for solving for banks actually expanded to helping some of these fintechs not deal with banks at all, right? We were that layer that, you know, that magic hand that would make things happen. Yeah. Um, And we kind of used that, you know, uh, uh, high octane growth on a lot of other players uh, to our advantage in, in the form of converting that into a business opportunity where we were sitting in the middle and orchestrating a lot of these, you know, fintech ideas. Uh, That kind of gave us a worldview in terms of, and also coming from Visa, you also are perched in a position where you look at what's happening around the world. It's not just, so this problem was not just limited to India, uh, but our wings were clipped in terms of not being, you know, in fund backed by venture. Uh, We really had to earn every dollar before we could spend that, right? Uh, so we kind of constrained ourselves to India, but in 2018-19, we felt that we've spent like four or five years trying to build this uh, and uh, you know, should we work towards a large outcome or a small outcome. And that's when we started going out and we went out to other markets. We realized that how handicapped we were in terms of not having capital backing us because in India, we could we could do our jugad we could go speak to people, we'll find our way to get things done. Uh, but when you go out, you you are a you are in no man's land. You know uh, nobody knew you. I mean you might have some connects and all that, but you just didn't have an anchor. Uh, that's when this whole need to raise capital, you know, became more pronounced. And by then we were, uh, you know, you we were in a whole bunch of ecosystems that you know were very prominent, right? So a lot of the early stage investors knew about us. Uh, because they you know, we, we started appearing in their boardroom conversations in you know in a lot of these places mm-hmm.
0: uh
1: so we kind of said you know we should use this to our advantage and that's when we went out and raised capital. yeah uh luckily for us I think we just you know the whole growth happened the, the whole cohort of companies that came in 2017 18 they started raising a ton of money and you know everybody you know started firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. uh, and and the whole infra play in the west also started you know getting more pronounced which meant that there was an economic model that people could attribute to some of these businesses uh, which was non existent four or five years ago right market as a platform went public in 2020 2021 20, uh, they were like a 20 billion dollar company you know mm-hmm. built in like 10 years uh, so we were seen as a Merceta for asia so we kind of <laughs> rode that wave uh, if you will but we also did something that is interesting right in the sense we realized that we at one end we could you know, use this capital to actually go out and acquire companies or, you know, add businesses that were adjacent to what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, so, we, I think in the last year, year and a half, we've done like some eight transactions. Uh, we've announced some, we've not announced some. So, uh, 24 months, I've been spending a lot of time with lawyers like five <laughs> financing <laughs> rounds, eight <laughs> MA. Uh, I have done my code of So, we compressed like five years of a journey in two years' time. Yeah lot of fun and and now we are kind of trying to uh, stabilize the whole thing you know get the house in order because we also added a lot of people you know we were 70 people before we got our first check we are like 1100 people now mm-hmm. uh, so it's a very different organization you know if you will and a bunch of these people came in when we were all locked up in our houses right uh, so yeah I mean today the focus is more around just getting the house in order and you know
0: trying to figure out how do we piece all of this together. Gotcha And. Uh, <clears throat> But we were discussing about this earlier, where, you know, you're obsessed with this one theme where moving forward, the global fintech companies would come from India for the world. Up until now, we've been, you know, seeking inspiration from US and China, but moving forward, uh, emerging markets and other markets would seek inspiration from uh, the innovative uh, fintech companies that would come from Mm -hmm. India. Would love for you to double click on it, and let's say you are telling this to a ten year old. Sure, yeah, uh,
1: ten years is going to be hard. I tried, you know, I have a fourteen year old. I, you know, <laughs> I try to tell him what I'm doing and why I'm so busy. Uh, but I'll i take a stab at it. I think the way the the frameworks that have worked right, India being this, uh, the whole IT story is about you can build cheap in India and ship it to all over the world. That's what in is. all of these, you know, multi-billion dollar companies have got built on that. You could have a sales organization in the West, but really sort of body shop the work to India. And if you actually sort of, you know, contextualize what's happening in India in the last 10 years, uh, is the fact that uh, a lot of the work that has gone in has already solved for what I call as the first order problems, right? West is still grappling with, Moving money uh, between one account to the other, uh, PayPal came into existence 20 years back. It is still a relevant business. You know, can you imagine, right? Like, yeah. uh, Elon Musk will go to Mars, it will still be at the same place, I guess. Uh, but the fact that the world in of fintech in the West is is actually solving for uh, very very foundational sort of challenges, right? Moving money is difficult. Uh, there are still issues around uh, how you'll make payments efficient. Um, they're still caught in the card world where the world has moved on to mobile and whatnot uh, but India has figured out to do this at a cost you know uh, economic value uh, which has almost turned payments into utility right so utility pay or base productchan right like voice call is free for in India likewise payments is free. Uh, you really have to build something on top of it to actually extract value and build a valuable business right uh, so that's what the Indian payment companies are going through and that will actually become the world order because uh, all of a sudden then we are you know one of the world, right so and you have uh, you have a super you know premium segment which is what Cred is building to. Mm-hmm. you also have that at the other end of the spectrum which is like you know completely at the bottom of the pyramid, right so uh, this is the one market where uh, every 100 kilometers you will have cultural nuances changing language changing uh, you know habits changing it's so almost like europe right in, in, a, in a sense right we are just one country yeah. and europe calls it as a european union so to that extent you know we we would have the ability to build stuff which can get ported to you know different ideas can get ported to different markets uh, in our own way, we are currently present in about 20 markets. And I keep calling India as the FinTech factory for the world. Uh, we may not have one Google or you know, Facebook coming out of India. I think the UPA is the closest to having a product uh, that is of global scale that you know is now everybody's in me, you know, that we've built out. But there could be like 10 years out, I feel. It'll probably have ten products that are UPI-like, right? Where mm-hmm. we can proudly claim that it got built in India, scaled in India, and then it's going to other parts. We've gone to remote places like Jordan, Egypt, where people recognize the value that Indian fintech teams sort of bring out. Uh, so, so I, I'm I'm super long on just just that fact.
0: Karen, no, you and you are uh, leading uh, by example, <clears throat> right? You you are doing it through uh, M2P. And Madhu, you know, we'll switch gears here. Uh, My my friend Alfonso in the back, he keeps bugging me. He has a question for you. Yeah, Uh, he's the co-pilot. He he gets to ask one question every part. So he's asking uh, Madhu. Let's say money and attention or fame are not needed anymore. And for the time being, let's uh, park M two B on the side. What would you work on? I think impact is what
1: you know. We've always been sort of we've been lucky in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, I now have a team that runs the business. I'm constantly looking for impact in in two ways. One is the fact that how are we able to port this business to other parts of the world, which is you know, which is completely you know transactional from the company standpoint. But also in each of these markets, we are actually going and figuring out what worked well in India. Uh, Is that something that we can port to this market, right? Like uh, in a very very early stage fintech action market, like Egypt, we are trying to see how can we accelerate that whole uh, you know fintech action, right? So is there a partnership that we can drive uh, getting three four other folks to actually build out like a you know I wouldn't call it accelerator, but a very focused way in which you can sort of build it. Mm -hmm. I think impact to me is is what uh, uh, is of value in my own personal way. We're mm-hmm. uh, constantly sort of trying to sort of do that right away. I think anything that can leave an impact, create something that people can sort of pick up and
0: sort of run with it uh, is what I would try to do. Love it. And what's your relationship with success? Well, I, if I can, uh, I think we are trading
1: everything for time. Uh, so, if I can take time out uh, and not worry about my business, <laughs> we have, we've got we're not yet there. Yeah. Uh, so, therefore, I I would, I think that's, you know, even in our teams, we try to not, for example, completely switch off in the weekends, right? So, we don't, you know, uh, we should uh, think of, you know, uh, taking time off and work can happen, you know, we'll, we'll have numbers to meet all the time. Uh, it's very hard you know, when we have like a very, you know, uh, high density people in the team, and you tell them slow down, uh, it's okay. right? Uh, and some of them come from very large organizations where they've been in pressure-, pressure situation, yeah. I've literally have to slow them down, right? I think. Uh, so we, we actually want to be a happy place from a company standpoint as well. I mean, that's just a manifestation of how we are as founders. Um, and and that's what, you know, I think if you're able to put more time back in the hands of, you know, the team and
0: yourself, um, that to me is happiness. Got it. And uh, Madhu, it could be professional, it could be personal. Is there something that you have changed your mind on recently and why? Yeah, I'm, that's a tough one yeah i think i've uh, you know i've had this
1: belief that you have to be uh, here in india to be solving for it over the last uh, 12 18 months i've come to realize that the world is a global village uh, you don't necessarily have to be here to make meaningful work happen mm-hmm. uh, a lot of that is to is because of the fact that we were you know ac- activating ma- new markets and all you know when the whole world was locked down uh, I think that is probably one change where I felt like the, the physicality of being in, in a market yeah. uh, is something that I've moved away from. Uh, and that has kind of opened up our horizon to start thinking about if you have to build a global business, I don't necessarily, you know, if tomorrow if I want to start in the US, I don't need to move lock, stock, barrel to the US. You can still yeah. do it, uh, you know. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. As long as you have a decent computer and internet, you're good to go. That's right. And uh, a coffee shop maybe. <laughs> and and uh, Madhu, you know, of course, we know you because of M2B. Okay. What do your friends know you for? You know, who are you outside of work? What do you do on the weekends? My week never ends. So you know, we we work in the
1: Middle East. so they work on Sundays. Uh, yep. Saturdays are the only days that that we get. Uh, off late, like last couple of years, it's been sort of super busy. On the work front, uh, but whenever I get time, I cook a meal for the family, you know, and that's something that uh, you know both my kid and my wife loves and look forward to. Uh, I did some physical activity in terms of running and going for a hike, but you know, a lot of that is kind of uh, under duress thanks to all the travel that's been happening.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I read a bit, and that's. That's pretty much what I do. And uh, any any books you you keep rereading?
1: No, I'm, I'm
0: I'm super bad at it. Right, like that's a habit that
1: I uh, keep falling off the cliff uh, cliff every once in a while. You know, there's this period of uh, where you commit to yourself saying I'll take an hour every day. Uh, if I stick to it for two weeks it's it's great I don't reread so much you know and I'm also trying to figure out is there a the Academy founder hired somebody to actually help him read books in an accelerated manner I'm trying to find if there's a balance that we can strike to read a bit more than what I
0: do currently don't worry you can google pay me I'll do the same thing for you <laughs> uh, Madhu uh, you know i had one more thing in mind uh you know it's a monkey mind it just keeps going yeah. there but uh yeah no i think uh it was a lot of fun madhu i i really really appreciate you for taking the time coming on the pod and really you know walking us through your investing journey angel investing journey and nm2p and, and and i love the you know, your thesis of uh, India becoming the fintech factory for the world. Uh, and of course, I'm looking forward to what you end up doing uh, through M2P and other, uh, you know, impact initiatives uh, that you have. Uh, thanks a lot for doing it. Thanks, Shiva. Lo- lovely talking to you and your partner. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>